Hello and welcome back to one more episode of 100years.in a show brought to you by Radio Room Podcast. My name is Amar Kulkarni and I once again welcome you back to the show. This is a show where I ask people in India some important questions. I ask them questions about their vision and imagination of what India could be on the 15th of August 2047, the year we celebrate 100 years of freedom. First up, apologies for having a couple of months break that I was dealing with a bunch of stuff that needed my attention. But yes, now I'm back and we'll keep hearing more interviews every week. Without much ado, I'd love to introduce you to our guest of today, Insia Lesewala. Insia has been a pivotal name in the Indian indie scene. She's popular for her work in the hospitality industry and before that the food and beverage industry, uh, even events, music and art. Now I'm really pleased to have Insia with us today and I must be thankful to her for being comfortable for being fearless to express herself and most important feel it worthy of her time and attention. So let's dive in and hear her thoughts and ideas about India today and the future. Hello everyone, I have with me Insia Lesola uh, who's joining us from Bombay. Hello Insia, how's it going? Hey Amar, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, thanks for giving us this uh, time and opportunity with you to share your ideas. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm very very excited. I've heard like some of the uh, some of the episodes and uh, I'm I'm very very grateful <laughs> to be uh, to be on this because I feel like you are going to talk about a topic that um, many many people need to hear about. So thank you for having me. Thanks thanks it's always a pleasure. How's Bombay been treating you? You moved from uh, Jaipur to Mumbai just uh, around the lockdown? Yes so I moved actually from Jaipur to Gurgaon and then from Gurgaon to Bombay um uh, drove from Gurgaon to Bombay in the lockdown and uh yeah just to be back home um I feel like you know when a pandemic happens you want to be in as comfortable a space as you can be and there's no space like home yeah so just coming back to Bombay was important at that point and um uh, actually um it's been pretty good you know this pandemic has been pretty good for me mm-hmm. um there are some ups and downs but uh, i mean they always are but uh, i think the pandemic has given me some time to really like uh, invest in myself and things that i wanted to do but you know never really had the time to do so right. it's been pretty good i've heard this from a few more people that said that this has given us time to work with us in fact i i should agree with that that's happened to me as well you know i i figured yeah. a few things about myself i think it's this this strange quietness of the lockdown it <laughs> i think you once you get used to that quiet and now that the lockdown is more is is over and uh, things have opened up i kind of miss that ambient silence you know <laughs> like that ambient noise is just more like some ஒரு 
roads, um, very new cars, and uh, just it, it was it was quite good. But yes, we will talk about this once uh, when we meet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, India has worked <laughs> in the media, television, food and beverage, hospitality industry long enough to uh, to claim some sort of expertise on that subject. Having worked with Sony Pic, she's worked with Vidhuvino Chopra, she's worked with OML, one of the biggest names out there. She also did some very interesting things like moving from Mumbai, where all the urban action is, to choose to go to Jaipur to do something in the hospitality <laughs> industry. So very quickly, I always wanted to know, and I think there's some interesting information for listeners to know, why would an urban Bombay girl move to Jaipur? <laughs> so, um, uh... You know, I used to, um, uh, you know, like you said, I used to work across these industries uh, from film and television to food and beverage. And I used to run a company that uh, basically curated food and beverage for all the music festivals. And we did pop-up markets and dining experiences. And, you know, I was churning out about, say, 30 events a year, which at point really gets exhausting, right? Because you're doing everything from production to curating to um, public relations and making sure that every person who's part of your experience or your pop-up market is having a good time mm-hmm. as well as people who are attending it. So I feel like, um, you know, I, w- I was doing this for a long time. I started working when I was about 17 years old and um, I-, I think by about... 29, which is when um, I moved uh, to Jaipur, I had like, I had burnt out. I had uh, spent too many long hours at work. I had uh, no time for friends and family. And it was just uh, so work focused that eventually I started feeling the burn. And um, at that point, um, I was offered an opportunity to set up this beautiful hotel. Um, It's a boutique hotel called 28 Koti in Jaipur. And uh, I actually... um, made that decision overnight, you know. I think I, um, it was my escape more than anything else. Um, now that I look, you know, in hindsight, um, I feel like I was just looking for an out um, from a crazy lifestyle. And um, I think I'd had my fair share of fun and, uh, you know, work and all of that. I just wanted to sort of invest a little more time in myself at that point, more, more, more so in my uh, friends and family which is why I took up the opportunity within about 30 days. I packed up Bombay, said goodbye, uh, moved uh, to Jaipur. And um, so I think uh, moving to Jaipur was one of the best decisions uh, that I made in my life. Fantastic. It's a beautiful city. There's no doubt about it. I think it's very different from Bombay. Just the, the stark difference itself gives so much uh, fodder for thought to the mind, but I think it's experientially also that uh, I would have loved doing something like that and uh, fantastic. How does it feel coming back to Mumbai though? Oh, I uh, I love it. I mean, this is home at the end of the day, right? And it's comfort. And I feel like um, I left at a time that I needed to get out, and I came back at a time that I needed to get back. Super. So I think it's all worked out really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very few are fortunate to get what they want the way they like. Yes, <laughs> I I agree. I'm extremely extremely grateful that th- these opportunities have 
uh, you know, presented themselves to me and I've had uh, the luck and the good fortune to be able to jump on these, uh, you know, uh, on these opportunities. And uh, yeah, very, very happy to be back in Bombay. Obviously, the pace is very different. Um, uh, but then also I spent a year in Gurgaon before I came to Bombay. So yeah. I was more or less, you know, I, I it, it wasn't uncomfortable. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, also moving during the pandemic when everything um, yeah. has kind of had kind of slowed down in Bombay, so it allowed me also enough time to settle in. So it's been it's been pretty good. Fantastic! I hope that that fortune stays with you forever. <laughs> we'll move now to the you- meat of the show, where I'm going to ask you some very interesting questions, oh, yes. and I'm going to go to the mm-hmm. first question, which you can take a little time yeah. to answer. What does India mean to you? Hmm. Okay, can I can I ask you a counter question before yes, I answer please. this question? I'm not used to it, but okay. <laughs> okay. Um, when you say what does India mean to you? Do you mean um, today, uh, especially you know after this pandemic or th- during this pandemic, or are you saying what does it mean to me or what it's meant to me over maybe say the past few years? Yeah, more to say when you think of India as a nation and you connect yourself being born, raised here in this country, what does this country mean to you in the sense of your attachment towards it, your understanding of it, or, you know, how you connect yourself to this nation that way. So it could be post-pandemic. If you see a large difference from what India has been in the past to what it has become today, I think it'll be beautiful to listen to. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is why I asked, um, because it is, it's very different for me. You know, I've always been somebody who's been very proud of my country. I love, um, I love uh, India primarily because of the opportunities that it presents to any person. Um, It has such a beautiful melting pot of culture, tradition. And I'm saying it maybe because of, you know, my background in food and beverage, and because I've, you know, I've traveled a lot across the country and, um, I feel like uh, there is this, there is, you know, when you think, when you close your eyes and you think of India, you like, you think color for me, that's what it is. You know, it's vibrant and it's like got so many colors, you know, from the way we dress to the, to, uh, to the way cities look, um, to, you know, the warmth, all of it is so colorful. So for me, that is India, you know, it's a lot of color. It's a lot of vibrance. It's, um, it's my home, you know, it, it's, um, a country which has given me everything that I am today, uh, it's presented me with so many opportunities. So mm-hmm. that is what it, it, it meant to me until, um, uh, you know, during this pandemic where I've had the chance to look closely at so many things that have changed the climate of this country in the past year. Mm. And um, it saddens me to say that I don't feel like I belong here anymore. Um, I feel like a sex citizen in my own country. So yeah, there has been a difference. And are there specific reasons why you feel like you're a second citizen? I feel like it's the political climate for sure. Um, that would be the driving uh, reason for me to feel like that. Um, I went to uh, a protest at Shaheen Bagh, um, and I saw what it was like, uh, until then, I mean, I'm agnostic and, uh, I don't believe in religion. Uh, I was born in a Muslim household, in a Bori household. Um, and, uh, I never had to fight for, you know, 
my rights as such as a Muslim because I wasn't a practicing one. Also, I grew up uh, in, uh, uh, you know, where we lived, a society where there were kids from all backgrounds, uh, from all walks of life and... Um, Never have I ever felt like I belonged to a certain religion or a caste. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I feel like when I went to Shaheen Bagh, my first experience there, I remember I just stood there and I cried because I, I could see kids, mm-hmm. you know, who were there, who were um, uh, waving the flag and who were protesting. And I was like, these are kids who are fighting for my rights. Mm-hmm. These are, I'm, I felt the pressure of being part of a certain religion when mm-hmm. I was there. And I think that really threw me off. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a very important uh, point that you put across, that there's a difference in how you perceived it from the past to now. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, that uh, I'm sure that the influence of this, of course, you are saying it's uh, from the political climate, do you see a difference of its intensity on social media versus what it is in reality out there? Or do you think what social media really shows us is also there out there on the streets? I feel it's a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, what we see on social media is 1% of the population trying to do their best to, you know, put out there, you know, to sort of um, uh, represent what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. In that 1%, there is half the population that is uh, pro half of it, that is pro government. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of factions to that as well, but um, everybody's trying to voice their opinion. But the, the reality, which is on ground, which is 99% of our population mm-hmm. is so different. You know, Amar, we mm-hmm. are part of 1% of the privileged mm-hmm. society. Um, we are not the ones who are facing the day-to-day repercussions or have been facing the day-to-day repercussions of this for decades. Mm. Um, we are the ones who are only looking at it now because social media allows us access to see more sides to things other than what is being told to us over the news. Mm. So I feel like there is a narrative online and there is a narrative offline, but the one offline, the one that is happening in reality is so far and large and is sometimes so different from what we see that it's really hard to make an informed choice about what is right, what is wrong. I feel like there is no right and wrong anymore. You know, it's you and your beliefs and mm. what works for you and that is your right. Mm. So yeah, I, it's it's pretty, it's pretty uh, gruesome out there on ground. Yeah, and I agree that it's also complicated because there's always so many sides to the same story. And the moment we talk about uh, a political interest, it's always the interest of a group of people. And then yes. eventually, as we see it, and the way I believe it is becoming more like a majority wins kind of a game. Uh, and it's not yeah. just in India. I'm, uh, I would read this pattern across the world where there's a majority group of people who are taking a, a decision and and we conveniently now call it democracy. <clears throat> so we allow the oh, majority yeah, to take a decision that favors only the majority. And hence the, the nuance of democracy is lost by simply saying, oh, but in a democracy, it's just the largest group that takes the decision. Yeah, there, there is no such concept of democracy in our country. Mm-hmm. I think it's also very difficult to have that across because a large population yet is not... Uh, aware of the rights of democracy is not even having an understanding yes. education enough to even understand how um, understand how democracy functions so what what even democracy means is still so cloudy yeah. even in my own mind 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. but it's interesting to know that you did go to the protests, and, and I had not had the opportunity to meet someone who was in the protests involved, and I'm glad to hear that from you. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I Sorry, move. I didn't mean, mean no, 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 to make this very dark, no, but, but it's, uh, it's not dark at all. It's, I, I always look at it as a positive. It, uh, the message uh, that needs to go out to people is, uh, it's not about the sides you take. It's about the necessity to protest or to raise your voice against what you believe is wrong. It's you know, yeah. I, I am here not in a position to say, this was right or that was right, unless and I'm you know, I'm involved in or if it's affecting me, I would never really know the truth of it. But at the base yeah. of it, the first level of it, everyone must have the right to raise their voice and say, this affects me and, and it's not good. Or this is how I'd like to change it. Or I'd like to bring to your attention, these are the people that are uh, marginalized and that calls for attention. And mm-hmm. I think every citizen of the country has an absolute right to protest without being villainized you know vilified for protesting and that's where my problem yeah that's where my problem is so um good 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 to know and i hope that that opinion of india changes for you soon and it changes from meaningful action in response um i hope so i still have my hopes up (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's let's move on to the next question then and that's the most important question on this show what India do you imagine yeah. on the 15th of August, 2047, the year we celebrate 100 years of freedom? Okay. Um, I w- you know, I would like to believe that um, India will be a country with no borders, um, that we will, as a people, unite and we will not be racist against one another um, across states and religions and regions and castes Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, we will not point at a person and categorize them or be, or, you know, put them in a box or put them in a bucket, a certain religion or a caste or that, oh, this is good. This one is Gujarati or this one is Northeastern. I feel like, I hope that uh, we will live in an India with no borders. Mm -hmm. And you think it's, possible in 25 years for the mindset of our country to reach there? Uh, I'm, you know, but I think I've become extremely hopeful. Um, I feel like uh, things have changed so rapidly in the past couple of years in our country and mm. not for the good. So why not change that rapidly for the good? Mm. So, yes, I'd like I'd, I'd like to believe that at least we will start thinking as, as, uh, you know, one, as people will just like think mindfulness and uh, maybe we will not be able to remove those physical borders so quickly, but at least mentally uh, we'll be able to change that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. To, to see India's uh, borders fading. I think is an is an amazing dream and it's an amazing vision to have. <clears throat> and where do you think are the barriers for this to happen? Um, I feel like our biggest barrier is I, I feel uh, at an individual level the biggest barriers it's it's us it's uh, <laughs> all of us who have been conditioned to think a certain way to be a certain way um i don't uh, 
I don't think we mean malice. Uh, I don't think we mean uh, any harm when we categorize people based on religion because, you know, we've been conditioned to think like that. And, you know, as kids, we've made so much fun. We've been made so much fun of. I mean, it, it's, it, it used to be common, right, to joke about um, people and you believe about it's like a joke or you just say South Indian for that matter, right? You wouldn't even know the difference between uh, the different states of South India or the people, but offense, it's not, um, we don't mean to offend anybody, but it is offensive to someone, right? And I, I feel maybe we as a generation change that so that, you know, our kids and stuff know that it's incorrect to speak like that, even if it's a joke. So I feel like individually, if all of us can make that little difference where we treat each other as equal and not on the basis of religion or caste or color, um, I think that's where it starts. And I feel like, obviously, <laughs> the politics of this country has to has to change drastically for this, you know, to... Uh, to be implemented, I feel like there are um, you have all your state, you have your state. Not, not, uh, sorry, I lost you. Uh, your voice is cracking. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, tell me, is it better now? Yes, so you were saying that the political oh. situation also is something that needs to change. I feel like the political, yeah, the political situation certainly needs to change. You know, I mean, I don't have a lot of knowledge on politics in this country. Uh, It's very, very limited. But uh, from everything that I understand, from what I see that my parents understand, my family and friends understand, Mm. and I'm learning every day, Mm. I see that, um, I'll give you an example. Mm. The finance minister made an announcement that when the vaccine is out, Mm. everybody in Bihar will get a free vaccine. Mm -hmm. And that's because Bihar elections are coming up. Now, I don't want to make, yeah, I don't want to make this political, but I'm just going to use this one example for now. Because how are you thinking of the people of this country on the basis of one state? Yes. You know? So I feel like state governments need to be abolished. Um, There has to be one government. There have to be better governing bodies. Um, I feel like education is the biggest driver for this change i feel like if the gen um, uh, you know um kids in uh, today's generation or our kids and um you know for the generations to follow i feel like if this is part of an education system i think that is where we can bring about change because the political scenario is not as much in our hands as you know education is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And one of the things, very interesting thing that I was discussing with someone recently was, uh, um, and this was particularly from Bihar, it's the last podcast that I, I did with a very young boy called Ranjan Mistri yeah. from Bihar. Right? He had a slightly different mm-hmm. opinion in this saying, the work that I'm doing is to the people and hence I don't really care about what the governments do or whether they come and they go and what type of governance, etc., etc. they do. It's very interesting. He says that because he's doing his work in a domain where politics itself is not directly linked to, and he's working in education in a very big way. So 
it kind of hmm. tells me immediately the gap between politics and education where he says you know education really doesn't get impacted by the politics of the governments whereas you know we understand uh, particularly urban uh, uh, people always understand politics from the leadership perspective so i have learned to divide political uh, people or politics as two parts one part being public leadership and the other part being policy making and i i believe mm-hmm. you know for me i think that if we can clearly differentiate who's a public leader and who's a policy maker we will we will then vote people better you know because there are policy making people who are not great public leaders and we need to focus on them as much as public leaders are required because they have the ability to mobilize groups together but they might not be the best policy makers as we see today you know we have our news channels really? showing us such great public leaders in terms of their uh, ability to pull crowds together but when it comes to policy making wide gaps out there so um, i think what you said ah. is what you said is right you know if we can if we can in one generation uh, cause that change yeah wow why not we could hope to have a country without borders why not like it'll be beautiful why not yeah, yeah. absolutely Yeah, and, and going back <laughs> even even further back you know 5000 years ago indian spirituality uh, wrote of a world without borders you know like no nations is the world is one so uh, oh, that is part of that yeah could be a good start to get there yeah i feel like this would be my 1000 year goal Yeah. This would <laughs> yeah. be a what? I can be my 1000-year goal. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah. In my 1000-year goal, in 1000 years, yeah. we will all have just one passport and it will be the passport to just freely travel anywhere that you we want. It'll just be an identification document, why not, not a document right? that you need to visit the country. Why not? Why not? Great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm going to jump into the yeah. next question and the question is what do you think are India's greatest opportunities to growth over the next 25 years Um I think if I look at it from an industry point of view maybe mm-hmm. um I feel like India as a country has immense potential to grow as a, a um as a destination i mean you know everybody talks about oh i want to go to india i want to go yeah. to india yeah. uh, but do people really want to come to india because you know it's it's scary it's mm. scary to travel to a country where you know uh, the number of people per square capita is far higher than any mm. place in the world mm. it's um it's scary to be in a country where you know that you could get sick if you ate um uh, the food there mm-hmm. it's um scary to know that it's not safe anymore it's scary to see what the political climate in the country is you know mm-hmm. because it's all over the news mm-hmm. so i feel like india is has not been juiced enough as a tourism destination as a cultural tourism destination mm-hmm. i feel like there are uh, you know fortunately we have so much um of very culture it's like you take the whole of europe and every country in europe has its own culture and then you take india and india has so uh, so much more hmm. you know the the culture in every region the culture in every state the culture um the food the people the way they dress everything changes drastically and i feel like if you are in india you can't say that oh i'm going to travel india hmm. um uh, it's 
you have to do either just the north or just the south or be able to do say maharashtra mm. you can't possibly travel all of india mm. and go back you know it's uh-huh. it's it's a, it's it's like a lifetime yeah, so i'm um, like mighty confused I, by the end of it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah. uh you have you have the hills and you have the sea and you have the um uh, you know uh his the history attached to it yeah. the mythology attached to it there's so much to it so i feel like um i feel like there is a lot of scope of growth for domestic as well as international tourism and uh, if we are able to create a better uh, industry a better industry policy i feel india could be one of those countries that is extremely extremely rich and we're no longer like a developing country you know so i feel like that can that can really change um there is i feel when i travel india i meet i i like to travel like i like to travel locally i like to uh, meet local people i like to see a city as a local and not as a tourist and when you meet people and you hear their stories you're just like oh my god this has to be on the world map you know this mm-hmm. is, these are people who should be spoken about or these are people who should have a voice um yeah. today you and i might think what is happening in for example jammu and kashmir is yeah. uh, right wrong whatever it is right yeah. but yeah. when you speak to people in the valley when you speak yeah. to people who are from there and you see the varied views yeah. it's so interesting they have so yeah. much of love and warmth and culture to share so i feel like if um india had that kind of uh, uh thought process industry policy i think uh, hospitality could be saving grace <laughs> yeah i agree with you so much you know i haven't really traveled so much in india and i, I really wish i can but every time that i have traveled i've met some fantastic people you know we just recently about the last year we went to kerala a couple of years ago we'd been to rajasthan these are the two really uh, holiday travels that i did apart from work of course which is to my regular industrial places but even then yeah. there's just just so many amazing things out there you know a lot of people say there's not enough content in india and that would be ridiculous for someone to say that because there's so much happening here oh my god <laughs> it's like 1 billion people so even one person has one story or one perspective you have 1 billion stories which will take a few years for any other <laughs> country to look at and uh, i think what you say really yeah, points out absolutely. to what you say really points out to being organized and strategic about how we offer this to the world right yeah mm. yeah make it which will lead me to my next and really fun question what do you think india can give the world in the next 25 years what is it that india can give the world in the next 25 years hmm i feel like it can give the world a lot of thought leaders thought leaders i think that india is just bursting at its seams when it comes to people who are game changers who are thought leaders who are out there making a difference in every industry that you can think about mm-hmm. you know we're producing like some of the best brains in the world and what are we doing we're exporting them right mm-hmm. now you know we're not mm-hmm. we're not uh, using our own um uh, 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 people we're not using our own talent and skill in this country because there are no opportunities um or there are 
opportunities, but they're so skewed. So I feel like India is has the capability of giving um, giving this world the kind of people that can change the face of this world. I feel like if you look at any industry, if you look at people across the board, across um, countries, I challenge you not to find an Indian there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think there's just one, of course, we're so many. <laughs> Two, that there's just... <laughs> that is just so that we have okay i don't think our education system is great uh i think it, it is flawed in many ways but it is an education system that is rigorous and it you know i think that you take a child from india and you put you send that child abroad to study anywhere in the world yeah. the this child will have the capability to adapt yeah. to learn yeah. way faster Mm-hmm. Or we'll have, I feel like it's also, we live in a country which is so jugado, you know, mm-hmm. everything is, you have to hustle, you have to be street smart, not only book smart. And you learn that in school as well. Yep. <laughs> so I feel like we're, we're, we're a country of survivors and uh, we uh, can go anywhere and change the game. So I think that is what we're going to give the world. We're going to give it thought leaders. Thought leaders. It's wonderful. That's great. And I think, yes, there has been a huge brain drain for decades and there were very specific reasons in terms of opportunities, in terms of lifestyle, and that is changing. And I think I'm also very hopeful that over the next 27 years, by the time we come to 2047, India will be a nation where people have the same amount of opportunities or more as anywhere that looks lucrative today. And uh, hopefully that can come true. Yeah. Good. Yes, let's keep our hopes up and be optimistic about this. (laughs) Yes. You said earlier on that uh, your imagination for 15th August was a country without borders, right? Yeah. I just have one question just to add, and that will be my last question for this show, is what can we do as listeners and others do to help Mm -hmm. that vision of yours come true? What is it that we can do? Are we talking realistically or optimistically? Realistically. Realistically, (laughs) if if you are on a mission to have India, a country without borders on the 15th of August, 2047, you can't do it alone. You need all of us to be with you. What is it that we can do on a daily basis to help you get there? I think we can just stop discriminating from this moment onwards. I feel like we can just never... uh, address ourselves as I am Maharashtrian or I'm Goan or I'm Hindu, or I'm Muslim, I think we have to start registering as Indian. Mm -hmm. I think that is our starting point where we talk about ourselves as I am an Indian from Bombay, because Mm -hmm. if you want to know where I live, that's my address right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't, I, I feel like when I meet people, I no longer want to have those kind of, uh, you know, little boxes in my head saying, okay, I can put this person in the North Indian box or I can mm-hmm. put this person in a, a, a big golly box. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I no longer want to do that. And I want to make a conscious effort not to do that mm-hmm. uh, because I know I have been conditioned all my life to think like that and not out of, not out of, um, you know, categorizing people from um, based on the background, but simply because I feel like, you know, it works like that, right? Yeah. You put a person in a box so you feel comfortable because you understand where they fit in and how they behave and all of it. So it's easier on us, but that's 
I mean, it's not always about being easy. It's about sometimes just knowing that um, everybody's different, everybody's unique in their own way. And, you know, um, though from the way people look or the way they pray or, um, you know, from the way they eat, it it's not, um, it's not who they are. It's uh, feel, yeah. So on a day-to-day basis, if all of us can just think about uh, each other as Indians as compared to, you know, like people from different states and religions, I think mm. that's a good start point. And it's such a powerful one. It's a very so. powerful one. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, because the effect of it is not something that just makes India a different country on the 15th of August 2047, but it's an effect that will last India's fate and destiny for hundreds and thousands of years after. So I think it's a very powerful mission. And uh, just on a human level, I think just the ability to see beyond where a person belongs to and just to see him as uh, him or her as an individual, you know, I think that itself is today is almost a superpower that one can possess. But if we can work, if we can have it as a habit, I think we would have achieved ourselves a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, uh, I really hope that uh, we can have this conversation again 50 years <laughs> later. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I hope that these uh, podcast episodes of mine will do at, at the end of it. You know, all said and done at the end of 25 years, if we can all be there to listen back and say, hey, this is what we thought of. And look, this is what's happened. And, and some of it would have yeah. happened, some of it wouldn't have. But these can be good journals to uh, bear witness to where we are today in 2020. And uh, Oh, absolutely. Please make this collection available to all of us so that we can all <laughs> listen to all the stuff that we wished for and we said and, uh, you know, and to see what really happened and maybe things that we didn't wish for and those happened and those could also be nice. Sure. Sure. But I think, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I think the, the biggest thing that you have said today is to have a country without borders. I think uh, this thing is, it's like this one step leads to a thousand. So uh, I, I firmly have this belief that people do have the ability to stop discriminating. It has to be conscious. And uh, I think if we all can start doing it, we'll get there in a few years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. It was an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. We had a little bit of trouble with the internet on and off, but uh, yeah, that's okay. I think we that's what we have to make do with these days. So thanks so much. Yeah. You shared very beautifully what India means to you. You have shared all the great opportunities that India has, especially when it comes to creating India as a destination, be it for business, be it for hospitality, be it for experiencing how awesome we are as people or our food and the vibrant colors, all of it. And I hope that uh, your vision, your dream, your imagination and all the things that you wished for to happen positively will happen. And the most important thing that I wish for, and if the listeners are listening as well, I'm sure they do uh, echo their sentiments is, the reasons that make you feel afraid or make you feel anything otherwise apart from being accepted as any anybody else amongst us i hope all of those reasons will fade out as soon as possible and uh, we will get to experience your energy again so thank you amar that's very very kind of you to say that thank you and i really hope that um you know 
everything that we've spoken about today, if it's for the betterment of this country, it actually happens. And uh, I am so very grateful for you uh, to do this, you know, to collect these little memories and these little stories from everyone because I think uh, that's what's going to last us. So thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. This is my first podcast ever. So <laughs> sorry if I sounded nervous, but thank you. No, it's, it's, it's just uh, just something that I've been wanting to do and I found the right people at the right time and the right references. So I'm glad that uh, you agreed to do this. I'm glad that you gave us time and I hope that uh, people listen and appreciate what you've done. So thank you. Thank you once again and uh, hopefully we'll meet soon. Yes, I will see you soon, Amar. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, thank Hi. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That, my dear friends, was my conversation with Insia Leswala from Mumbai. You've been listening to Radio Room Podcast. The series is called 100years.in. My name is Amar Kulkarni. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, do like, follow, share, subscribe. Uh, get in touch with us on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. I also do Instagram live uh, sessions where I ask the same questions with a bunch of people. If you're interested in having a conversation with me, please do hit me up. Until uh, the next episode then, which will come back to you in less than a week. I hope you take good care of yourselves and everyone else around you. Take good care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye-bye.